You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Good morning, everyone. Please forgive me if I fall asleep in the middle of my own message, because I just got back from uh, Austria, and I was out near to where ministering to those in Europe for the first time, and uh, so I'm jet-lagging pretty bad, and I didn't think of that when we agreed to the invitation that I I would be so close to jet-lagging, so if you fall asleep, it's fine. If I fall asleep, it's fine. Because, you know, I tell, t- I tell pastors, like, don't be discouraged if people fall asleep on your, when you're teaching. Don't be discouraged by that um, because you can still teach them while they're asleep. And, and you can point at them and you can point them out and you can turn the camera on them. And I don't know about you, but when I was in, element, in uh, junior high and high school, when I'd fall asleep in class, I would wake up. Now, this is going to tell you how old you are but I would wake up with chalk marks all over me because the teacher used to throw the erasers at me while I was sleeping. So I'd have all these marks on me and they would mess with me while I was sleeping. So I think that the Lord has a, an appointment for us here today and I'm grateful to, to be here. I know uh, Nick has been inviting me for quite some time and my schedule and his schedules just really didn't work out. But today it did. Um, and before we start, I want to uh, pray for our church because uh, in a, just a few moments, Ken Ham is going to be doing the last session that for the morning this morning, and then he'll be back tonight. But we saw a great outpouring of God's Spirit on, on our church and all throughout the radio as he was reminding us of the vital importance of the right foundation. And basically he said this, and some of you may be familiar, but basically he said this, there's only two foundations in life. There aren't three, there aren't ten, there aren't, there aren't eleven. There's only two foundations. There's either God's Word or man's word. And what you decide to build on is the difference between what Jesus said. You either build on the rock or you build on shifting sands. And here's the thing. You can build and build and build and you don't know where your foundation is as Jesus taught us until the storms of life come. The storms always reveal foundations. And so let's pray and we'll jump into God's word of what he has for us this morning. So Father, as we turn our hearts and our attention toward you, we do pray for the work of your Holy Spirit to be manifest uh, in this room, out on the airwaves of the internet, Lord, as it goes forward and your word is shared and it is given to us. We know that it will not return void. We also pray, God, for those that might be tired, maybe they worked all night or other things going on in their life that they are tired and, and yet they're also eager in expectation to worship you and to receive from you. We pray for these kiddos, Lord, as they make these transitions in life. Uh, they happen so quickly. And, and even as our sister was praying, uh, that they would be able to stand in their own voice and they'd be able to stand for not only for what they believe, but they would also know what they believe and, and have a sense of purpose of your hand and calling upon their lives. And I pray for our kids at every stage, from just the babies all the way into adulthood, that at every stage that they would see the significance of serving you first and building their lives on the foundation of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray for the work that's going to be happening in Aurora in just a few minutes as the next service starts, that you would give my brother Ken the kind of strength and stamina that he needs to not only finish today, but tonight and tomorrow morning and, and what you're doing and all the kind of pushback that he gets and all of the attacks that come toward him for his simple uh, message of clinging to the word that you would help us to cling to the Word, Lord, and make, make our connection to you 
uh, building our lives on the right foundation, the most important thing in our lives, that we would live by your Spirit and we would trust in your grace and we would not try to take things into our own hands, but rather we would trust you. And so, God, we lay before you this time and know that you just have a word for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your Bibles and open them to 1 Samuel chapter 17 in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And you kind of get an amen on that? Does anybody believe that? That the battle belongs to the Lord? How many of you are in a battle right now? Of any sort? All right, how many of you just finished a battle? Guess what? The rest of you, it's just up ahead. Because life is filled with battles. The difficulty and the fallen nature and our, the issue with sin, there's always some issue. There's always something pushing back. And you know, our perspective in life really makes the difference. And it's important that we have the right perspective. How we process things, what we choose to think on, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to look to. And a perspective, our personal perspective, is especially vital when it comes to facing the giants in our lives. I like how the kid was up on the video and said, what was his favorite story in all the Bible? It's David and Goliath. Well, it's a true story of a young man standing up against great obstacles when everyone around him wanted to run away. And everyone around him wanted to throw in the towel. And everyone around him was intimidated by this mocking, lying giant of a man. They had forgotten that he was just a man. And they had forgotten the power of God. And they had forgotten that God is with them. And the most important thing they forgot was the battle belongs to the Lord. Giants come in all shapes and sizes in our lives. People, bills, family issues, fears, anxieties, failures, weaknesses, addictions, pain, sorrow, grief, you name it. They come in different shapes and sizes. And I don't know how big the giants are in your life that you've been facing lately, but I have no doubt, I have no doubt that they are bigger than you can handle. They're beyond your capacity. And yet today in 1 Samuel 17, we're reminded that they're not too big for God. And that God might restore to us the right perspective. That He might give to us the right and the great insight that the battle belongs to the Lord. Say it with me. The battle belongs to the Lord. Look to your neighbor and remind them that the battle belongs to the Lord. And now, now go the other way. And if you're alone, get up and tell somebody that's alone. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not yours to fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's a word of the Lord for someone. The battle is not with the person. It's a failure if you take them on. Because we don't wrestle as believers in Jesus Christ against flesh and blood. But there's a demonic influence behind the issue. And the demonic influence only has one goal. Really, it's kind of stated in three that the enemy hasn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But really, stealing and destroying is all summed up in killing. That, that's the end result. To kill your faith. To kill relationships. To kill your confidence. To, to kill your potential and what God has for you and why He's made you. Here in 1 Samuel 17, we meet a man by the name of Goliath. He's a giant from the nation of Philistine, the enemies of God. The Philistines hated the people of God because they hated God Himself. They were idolaters, had no desire for the things of God. And this giant of a man named Goliath stood some nine feet tall. 
And there He is, I can picture in my mind, there He is mocking the children of Israel. Mocking them. And giving these words of intimidation as He stands there so strong. He's the mocking enemy of God. And I'm sure there's some mocking giants in this room right now accusing you, lying to you, threatening your peace of mind. You know, the Bible says that Jesus gives us he, he promised us rest. And yet the enemies of God so often steal our rest and our faith and our comfort and, and our abiding relationship in Jesus. And just in this room, just right now, there, there are all sorts of things coming against you just in your mind. And God wants to remind you that the battle belongs to who? The Lord. The battle that you're in right now. I don't care how big Goliath is. I don't care how tall he is. I don't care what he's saying. We need to be reminded that God is our defender. And today I want to sound the trumpet. I want to sound the trumpet that God is for us and that God is for you. Jot it down in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20. It says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there because God will fight for us. Rally to the sound of the trumpet. So as we come to 1 Samuel 17, we come to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel are the followers of God. In the Old Covenant, or what we often refer to as the Old Testament, they have a relationship with God where they are living by faith in trusting in the sacrificial system that God has laid down for them in relationship. And here they are, this children of Israel, what we would call today in the New Covenant, the church. So you could say that the people here standing before the, before the giant, the Philistines, would be our brothers and sisters. We're going to see them in heaven. Because of their faith in Jesus, because of their faith in Messiah to come, we have faith in Messiah who came. And so here they are in 1 Samuel, having dealt with the taunting threats that come from Goliath. I mean, notice with me in verse 11 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Notice over in verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were dreadfully afraid. And it's on the backdrop of these threatening, mocking giant. And, all, and, and this particular group of the children of Israel weren't just a bunch of kids and moms. These were the fighting men of the nation. These were the men that you would trust to go out and fight on behalf of you. And they're being intimidated by Goliath. Because even the strongest of believers will face things that intimidate them that bring fear and anxiety and concern. And you might be here today and you go, oh wow, you know, it's a Sunday school story of David and Goliath. You know, I I think that I need a little bit of more meat here because I'm a strong believer. First of all, I'm grateful that you're a strong believer. But there are things in life that you are unable to face. To all of us. You're going to one day, if you haven't already, you're going to one day wake up to a situation that will prove God's Word to you that we need Him in every area of our lives. And it's too bad sometimes that God has to do do or use some dramatic illustration to help us understand this. I I know I would rather, much rather learn the, uh, the truths of God by just listening to a CD or flipping on the radio, but the reality is, is that discipleship comes through the power of the sanctifying grace of God. And He allows situations into our lives that will remind us of His sufficiency and not our own. And might I just add this? Can I just ask you, 
as a fellow brother and as a pastor, to never, ever, ever the rest of your life ever misquote the Bible in this way. Please don't ever say, some, say this to someone. If you've said it recently, go back to them and tell them you're sorry. Please don't ever say this. Do you agree with me? I haven't told you what it is yet, but will you at least agree with me? Don't ever say this. And if you have any complaints about what I'm about to say, Pastor Nick's email is... Alright, so don't ever say this again. Don't ever look at someone that's going through pain, that has been through a trial, that is in pain right. Don't ever say this. Don't ever say this ever again. Don't look them in the eye and say, well, you know, God will never give us anything that we can't handle. Don't say that ever again. It's not true. Now I understand the passage of Scripture that's being misquoted. That no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. And with every temptation, God has given us a way of escape. That's true. 100% true. There is always an escape. Like right now, you are faced with great temptation and you're at a crossroads either to go to the left or to the right. The Word of the Lord declares to you today that there is a way of escape. You don't have to choose to sin. That's a true statement. But to twist that statement to say that God will never give or allow things into your life that you can't handle, can I just be honest with you? Most of my life, I can't handle. And I'm finding the far, the closer and closer I get in my re relationship with Jesus, the more and more I found that even the things I thought I could handle were actually not me at all, but the faithfulness of God. And it's just foolishness to think that because you're under the weight of a heavy burden today, or you're facing a great difficulty, that somehow it's your fault because after all, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. That's nonsense. Most of life is things that we can't handle. We face things all the time that are beyond our capability. There are Goliaths in our life right now that it doesn't matter how much money we have, it won't solve it. Because you know what happens. If you have a money issue right now, one of the first things you look to is the bank account. And if you've got money in the bank, you know what you're going to do? Write a check. But there are times when you look at the bank account and then you're like, I don't even know where my bank account is. I got nothing, man. It's minus. I got a red numbers on my, on, on my bank account. And you're like, well, now what are you going to do? You're going to pray. You've got a bill and no money. Can you handle that? I don't think you can handle it. You can't write a check. And you're not going to rob a bank, I hope. You're going to choose to trust in the Lord. You know, if the problem you're facing right now could be explained, like if you could just give an explanation and that would solve the problem, you'd give an explanation. But the situation right now does beyond explanation, beyond logic, beyond reason. You have a medical condition today? I mean, truly, if you could heal yourself, you would. But not even Paul the Apostle could heal himself at times. They cause you these things, these times of Goliath. They don't, they, they, they're not intended for us to run away and flee and be afraid. The situations in, that, that are too big for us are intended for us to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God that He might lift us up. That we might trust Him. And so you might have been facing 40 days of taunting and threats and intimidation but it's on the backdrop of the strong men of God running away. They're afraid and fearful that we have this young kid named David who we know. And you know, the thing about reading the Bible is when I mention David and Goliath, we have the whole story, so we already know how it's going to turn out. But everybody living the Bible had no idea how it was going to turn out. They couldn't turn the page and go, what's the next chapter? What's the next chapter? What's going to happen here? They're living the Bible in real time. And it's a really good thing for us to do is to learn how to train ourselves to read the Bible in real time. 
and just kind of divorce ourselves from the ending and read it with a way where we're living it with them. So you've got this kid David. Oh, he doesn't know he's going to be king. He doesn't know what God has for him in the future. He doesn't know this. All he knows is that someone is mocking his God, and, and, and all the people that should be standing up against the Philistines are running away. And it's through this young man David's life that we learn the power of God and the faithfulness of God. That even if everyone chooses to turn their back on God and run away from the enemy, we're going to stand strong. And remember Jesus said that to live in the kingdom, we need to become like little children where they have this confidence and this tenacity and they don't overthink things. How many, is an, how many of you are overthinkers? All right, you're all busted. Yeah, that's my life. I, I overthink things. That's why, as a, and Pastor Nick was sharing too, most of my ministry experience was serving in the children's ministry. I learned so much from your kids. I mean, not literally your kids, but if I served here, it would be from your kids. I learned so much from kids. I learned so much about their simple faith in God and their willingness to obey God when the Bible says something. And something happens as we grow up. We just somehow we think we're smarter than God. Where we need to put ourselves in the, in the shoes, in the sandals of David here today and remember that God will fight our battles. So notice with me in verse 31 now, in 1 Samuel 17, it says, When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Speaking of Goliath. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're just a kid. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant, verse 36, has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord Jehovah, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Don't let this familiar story just pass by your thought process here. David, a ruddy teenage kid, is telling the king of the known world when everyone else wants to run away, he says, I'm going to go take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. I don't under- he, doesn't, he doesn't put anyone down. He doesn't say, I can't believe no one. He says, hey, I'm going to do it. And, and I know that God is with me because I have fought a bear and a lion. In my responsibility as a shepherd, which teaches us a couple things. Number one, whatever you're going through right now is preparation for what's up ahead. God is always doing a work now, also knowing living in the eternal realm, He knows what's up ahead in your life. And so whatever you're facing right now is both for your time now and also up ahead. Nothing is wasted by God. We learned that, number one. Number two, this kid is crazy. Because this was a real bear not a little cub but like a real bear have you seen like a have you ever seen up close how big a bear's claws are like they're huge they're nothing like the donuts out there man these are like these will hurt you this is a bear 
And some of you read this and go, well, you know, if a bear came to my backyard, I'd take him. Probably not. A lion. A lion. A lion. The dude took on a lion, like close enough to grab his beard. I didn't know lions had beards, so he was pretty close. A few years ago, when we were doing ministry in South Africa, you know, there's always an extra day. It's a long week, and, and they always reserve an extra day where they can take us and show us where they serve. And, and um, it's always a fun day. And that's, this particular trip, they took us to a lion park. And, you know, it's kind of a safari thing, and it's all in camp, and they have lions all over, and you get in a truck. And they told us when we got into the truck, they said, look, lions can move at lightning speed. So if you drop a hat or a phone outside of the truck, do not open the door and get it. Because even though the lions look like they're asleep, they can move instantly, and before you even think to turn to get back in the truck, you're gone. It's like, okay, yeah, I don't need my hat, my phone, they can have it. That's fine. And so we're thinking that's how we started. And so they drive us through, and I don't know what the name, I don't remember the name of this lion park, but it was filled with old, retired lions like they were they were lazy and lame and they were just laying around licking their paws and swatting the flies i mean this should have been like the lion park from florida retirementville these lions were done they've done their killing whatever they're just hey i'm done i paid my dues put me under a tree and i'm serious so by the time i don't know maybe we're three quarters through i'm thinking if i drop my phone i might take my chances and I don't know if they did this on purpose, probably. But we happened to be there when, so there were trucks with people there, and then another truck drove in with meat. Can I just say that even retired lions can move pretty fast? Because, I mean, they were up just like that. And running around and, you know, getting the food, and they're chasing guys on the, and so even these guys, like, they can move that fast. David took on a lion. And you might still be unconventional. Well, you know, I don't care. I could probably take on a lion. Okay, so here, do this. This afternoon, head down to the Denver Zoo, find the lion enclosure, climb the fence, run over, tap, tap that lion on the head, and then run back, and then let me know how it goes. Now, don't do that because then there'll be two stories on the news. One, you're really hurt, and two, the pastor's going to jail for encouraging it. But get it, we get, get in your mind that we read these familiar stories so much that we miss the significance that whatever lion you're facing right now and whatever bear is in your life is preparing you for the giant. So, as you know, I mean, if you have a lion coming in, that's a pretty big deal. And if you've got to deal with a bear, that's a pretty big deal. But even still, it's preparation for what's up ahead. And what David is sharing with King Saul is the right perspective. King Saul is a coward of a leader. He should have told young David, there is no way I'm putting you in that kind of danger. I will go. But instead, what does he say at the end? In verse 37, go. For the Lord be with you, coward. Notice he says in verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor. I mean, I'm going to send a kid to the Goliath. I might as well give him my armor, right? Maybe that will make him last five minutes more. And he put on a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself how many stones? Five 
smooth stones from the brook, and he put him in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch, which he had, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. So another lesson, and we don't have time to develop all of these, but here's another one. Serving God is in your own gifting, not in someone else's. You know, Saul's armor did not fit David. Therefore, he took it off. And there is just so much in the body of Christ today of comparing ourselves with one another, and we really want someone else's armor. But that doesn't fit you. That's not who you are. I think social media has like wrecked us. Like our generation, they're gonna, if the Lord doesn't come back in a couple generations from now, they're going to be doing studies on our this time and say, this is when people got really jacked up. Social media. I say like, you know, like Instagram. Instagram is a great tool. We use social media to the max in our church, and I'm sure you do as well. But here's the thing. Instagram in particular, and don't get me started on Facebook. We're not going there today, but Instagram in particular is basically someone's highlight reel. A second in time. Second, second, second. So that, you know, when it comes to churches and stuff, so someone will take a picture and like three people showed up, but they'll take the picture and zoom in and do it, so then they'll post on there, look at 3,000 people came to our service, and pastors will get really discouraged because they'll look at their church and go, wait a minute, I don't have so many people, but you're just looking at a highlight reel. You know, there you are, you're struggling, and you're eating three-day-old macaroni and cheese, and even have to flick the flies off of it. And you open up Instagram, and there's someone with a big burger, and you're like, man... I wish I had that burger right now. And you just get so discouraged and so disgruntled because you're comparing your real life to someone else's highlight reel. When in reality, that person with the cheeseburgers got just money problems as you do. And they ate macaroni and cheese yesterday. And that church that had three people, I remember the days in our own fellowship down in Aurora where I would come to a Bible study and three people showed up. And they were very, God was testing me. He says, do you care about three people as much as you care about whoever? And, and the Lord said, and I would have to say, God, of course I care about three people. And yet, pastors get into this. Churches get into this comparison. People start comparing with themselves with one another. And it happens in ministry where you might be really dissatisfied with what you're doing in the church today, so you want someone else's armor. But I'm just telling you right now, you've got to go to battle in your own armor and who God made you and be content with who God made you. You're just as important and valuable in the body of Christ the way God made you. And you got to do what David did. David took off the armor and he took what he had. He took what he had. He was a guy that had a staff. He had some stones. He had a shepherd's bag, a pouch, and a sling. And he went after the Philistine. Facing the giants. He went after the Philistine. Many times... What happens is we get so overwhelmed by our enemies, so overcome by our problems, that we lose true perspective. And when we lose true perspective in life, we fear so quickly grasps our heart. And we're just being set up for discouragement, for defeat, and even for destruction. And David, he got it. It wasn't David versus Goliath. That wasn't the battle scene. He didn't need Saul's armor. It was Goliath, versus the God of David. Right? Because you and I, the Bible says, we're purchased with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ. And that word purchase literally speaks of ownership. God owns you. So in a real way, your problems are really just God's problems. And you can turn to God and say, God, this is yours. This, you've allowed this. This is where I'm at. Even if you got yourself into this problem. 
even if you find yourself in the problem because of your own sinful decisions, through humble repentance, God is for you and not against you. you want, we might be looking at this situation and go, oh, poor David, poor kid. You know, probably there are people there taking bets. So I think it'll last five minutes, maybe six minutes, maybe. And, and it wasn't poor David, it was poor giant. It wasn't poor David at all. And here you are today. You might even use this language this week. Poor me. Look what I'm having to face again. Look what I'm going through. But it actually isn't poor you at all. The enemy that you're facing, the difficulty you're in the middle of, will be overcome by the blood of the Lamb as you put your faith and trust in Him. So He takes these stones in verse 40. Five smooth stones. And you want to, if you like to jot down in your Bible, you know that he took these stones because you, those of you that are Bible students in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you know that Goliath had brothers. And could be that in David's mind, he's going to wipe out the issue of the enemy for all the future generations. This is the kind of faith that was in this kid. So the Philistine, it says in verse 41, came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. And let me just say this. There's so much to unpack in this. We don't have time, but let me just say this. Whenever you take a step of faith, there will always be someone that is a critic. There will always be someone to criticize you for it. And here at Philistine, he doesn't have, this guy doesn't have any relationship with God. So when he sees a kid taking a step of faith, sees a teenager stepping out in faith, you know, maybe God's calling you in in the mission field. But there's always people to say, are you crazy? Why would you do that? Why would you quit this great job? Why would you give up your medical benefit? Everybody's living in the world, but you're living in heaven. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. And when you live seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I promise you there will always be voices around you disdaining you for standing for the things of God. There will always be people trying to talk you out of it. There will always be people wanting to dismiss what God has clearly put into your heart. That's what's happening here. He put him down because he just saw in the outward. He was a youth, ruddy, and good-looking. So the Philistine, verse 43, said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Again, trying to discourage David and scare him and intimidate him. And here's David's answer. Then David said to the Philistine, and can, I just wonder like, if David was going through puberty and he would say something like this, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now if you have a Bible in your, in your lap, you should underline these. If you can do it on your iPad, you can do that here. But if you're still writing your Bibles, you should underline these words. These are words for you and for me. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Because in the New Covenant, you're having even a greater power on your side. And I love how Paul puts it in Romans. He, he, compares, he compares the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. And he says, how much more, he uses that phrase, how much more in Christ? How much more do we have by faith in Jesus Christ? I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the name. You know, the name was a summary of the person, the attributes of the person. And we can go in so many different directions, but let me just read to you in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5, where it says, Now the Lord 
Jehovah descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. David says, today God will deliver you into my hand and I'll cut your head off. Notice, he says in verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you and I'll take your head from you. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it's important that we know that God is for us. That we don't lose perspective. It's easy to live our lives like God is against us. And there's many examples in the Bible where that's even voiced where that's even thought. As Jacob is thinking about all the difficulties in his life, he's like, you know, God is against me. Elijah felt like God was against him. There were many people that felt like God was against them, but He's not against you by faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, what we see in the Gospel here in the Old Testament is that the giant of sin that is insurmountable, and sin is such a mocker, and we've all been born in sin, like, sin is the great separator. It is the, it is the great mocker. It is, it is what has taken a great re- relationship with Creator God and created distance. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin could be just like Goliath standing there mocking you. You'll never be good enough. You, you'll never get your life right. This is just your lot in life. This is just the way it's going to be. There's no hope for you. There's no help for you. But then David comes by as a type of Jesus Christ to say, oh no, no. Jesus is a sin slayer. Amen? He slays sin in our lives. How? But by His sacrifice on the cross. And today, I invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ to slay the sin in your life. To, to deal a death blow to that which has separated you from God. No amount of good works will do this for you. No amount of good thoughts will do this for you. No amount of yoga, meditation. Or no, if you climb the highest mountain, if you jump out of place, it doesn't matter what you choose to do to try to get closer to God. You could be no more closer to God than you are right now in this room by repenting of your sin and receiving the gift salvation extended to you through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, as you read through the Scriptures, you will find pictures and types of Jesus Christ virtually on every single page of that. It's all there. And yet David also becomes a picture and a type for us of victory and seeing how the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not the heart of God for you to always live your life watching out over your back waiting for God to snap you when you fail. Because just as easy as it would be to say that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we've also all failed and continue to fail. And God loves you and poured out His wrath, the full force of wrath on His Son, Jesus Christ, for you so that you could have a re- be restored into relationship with Him. You see, 
we all stumble and fall at times. We're, we're like God's kids, you know, and we're growing up into maturity. And we have, we, we mess up all the time. Like, there, there isn't a perfect one among us. And yet, like with our own kids, you parents and grandparents, you know, with your own kids and grandkids, when they stumble and fall, we don't get mad at them. We don't spank them for that. We, we, don't, we don't hurt them. We rush to their aid. You know, every time I, I, every time I taught each one of my, I have three kids, each time I taught my kids how to ride a bike, they ate it big time as they were trying. Have you guys tried, you guys teach anyone how to, it's time to take off the training wheels. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's every time you, you take them and then you hold the back seat and you kind of run with them and you let go. And as soon as they look back to find out, boom, they fall. So the first time my kids fell, whether it was Eddie, Josh, or Kate, anytime my kids fall, I, I wouldn't run up to them and go, what's your problem? Don't you know how to ride a bike? How could you not make it? Why'd you look back? No, 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 that would be crazy. Instead, I'd get up. Are you okay? Come on, we're going to do this. Let's try again. Let's try again. To the point where that final time we try again, they took off. And I mean, they took off so fast, you had to run after them because they still don't know how to stop. And that's how God is with us. He's not coming around. You come here. The great enemy of your life today is of some major failure. And, now, and you failed as a believer in Jesus Christ. And always knocking the big lion, the big bear, the big giant is condemnation. And even condemnation becomes like an idol in our lives where we'd rather condemn ourselves and live on our own self-pity instead of trusting in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, even for our failures. And, and we stumble and fall all the time. But like a parent, God will come and rescue us. God is here to strengthen us, to fight for us. He's here to teach us this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Verse 46. This day. This moment. Verse 48. And it was so, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, verse 51, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance to the valley of the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Shaharim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David's just a crazy kid, man. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. He didn't mess around. He faced the enemy in the power of the Lord, and God supernaturally guided that little stone to the very place where only one hit would take down the giant. Here's the problem. So often when I'm faced with a difficulty, so often when a problem overwhelms me, I'm looking at natural ways to solve it. Familiar ways. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes I'll look to my bank account. Sometimes I'll look to my reasoning or my logic or I'll try to explain something to someone biblically, but I'm unable. I'm looking for some conventional way to solve my difficulties without crying out to God. 
And God is constantly reminding me that God doesn't save with sword or spear. While I'm looking for human ways, I get discouraged. Because I look at my own resources and I find that I'm incapable of solving this. It's beyond me. And as I've tried to think of every possible way, and think about it, you know, if I do this, and then this happens over here, and this just might happen, or maybe it's something simple. If I just win the Publishers Clearinghouse, uh, everything's solved. If I just buy enough magazines and go bankrupt buying magazines, maybe I'll win. And that'll discourage you. Because you get all these magazines, you go, where do these come from? What, What do I want with these? And here's the thing, God often will use ways that are unexplainable. He'll use unconventional ways to accomplish His will. Why? So that He'll get the glory. He doesn't always save. This seems like a sword fight, but God chose not to save by sword or spear. He saved by a little rock. Who would have been in that day, if we were watching this, who would have considered, just take a slingshot and throw a rock at Him? How's that? Or if you're at the, at the walls of Jericho, hey, how about we just take on Jericho by marching around and yelling? See, God will often use unconventional ways. How about this? The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those that don't believe. Who would have thought that the salvation of the world would be the crucifixion of an innocent man, the very Son of God? But see, God doesn't always work the way you expect Him to. And sometimes, He allows the situation to keep coming and keep going while you're trying to figure things out until you finally come to the end of yourself. Satan is always trying to draw us into the area where we're in the flesh fighting Him. We're fighting Him in our own strength. And if He can get you into the flesh, you are going to be wiped out. The moment He can draw you into the flesh to battle against Him with sword and spear, with words and letters, with emails and Facebook posts and revenge, and you just get in all the fleshly temptations of life, the battle against the devil in the flesh is just folly and emptiness. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And as we begin to use this weapon that God has given to us in prayer, in His Word, if I can stay in the spiritual realm, then the Lord, I will learn that the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear. The battle belongs to Him. And it doesn't matter how big and impossible the giant is. I'm going to give you two things before we head out. It doesn't matter how big the giant is in your life today. It, it's all the same. Let me give you two things. Number one, get your eyes off the giant. Stop giving the giant so much of your attention. Being intimidated being fearful. It was Pastor Chuck that, that taught us, Pastor Chuck Smith, he would teach us that the longer, haven't he said something like this, he said, the longer, uh, haven't you noticed that the longer you look at a problem, the bigger it gets? <laughs> I was listening on the radio, he was saying that, I'm like, amen, and Pastor Chuck's in heaven, so he's already there amening already. He's got the full picture now of worshiping Jesus. He's gone before us. But it's true, isn't it? The more you look at a problem, the bigger it seems to get. We get so overwhelmed with our problems that as they grow bigger, it's important to get our eyes off the problems and get our eyes back on the Lord. And number two, remember this, God is for you, not against you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Jude chapter 1, 
only one chapter, verse 24. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? God is for you today, church. God has made available to you the resources of heaven. The strength of God. The power of God. The abilities of God are all yours by faith. And when God is for you, no giant can stand against you. No problem can continue for there's nothing too big for God. And to that, everyone says, Amen. Now, I want to show you a picture here because we're going to do something in response. Okay, So they're going to put a picture up here for us. Um, and I'll just stand up on the stage. Sorry, you guys on Facebook. I don't know if you can see me. But if you can cue that picture up for me. How many of you have been to Israel? Alright, so next time when Pastor Nick takes a team, you got to go with him, okay? Because this is the Valley of Elah, right here. So on one side is a large hill. It's all flat here. And there's another hill over here. And this is where they say somewhere in this area the battle of David and Goliath took place. And where we're standing here in the middle, can you guys all see this? So make sure you see in the, there's a lot of rocks. It's a creek bed here. And we actually stand in this creek bed. We worship. One of the pastors gives a message on David and Goliath. And then at the end, we invite everyone to come into the creek bed and pick up a rock. And, and I've done this for five years now in my own life to pick up a rock representing the giant in my life. And by faith, trusting that God doesn't save by sword or spear. But the battle belongs to the Lord. And I, and I bring those rocks home and I write a little date on them and they're in my desk. And they have become points of contact for faith and a reminder of the faithfulness of God. So what I asked the guys, do to, did, what I asked the guys to do today was to prepare these pails up here with rocks. And I'm going to invite you, you can just get up right now and you guys can come and pick out a rock as a memorial for the time that God gave you today. So you, just like communion, you can just come up. There's three different uh, pails up here. It's going to take a little bit of time, so don't be embarrassed. I, I received permission to do this, so it's okay. Come on up. And this side is kind of covering this side. And just pick one. They're various sizes, so if you could get a smaller one if you like, or if you want one on your desk, you can pick one up larger for your desk and, and just take it as a point of contact that God might remind you of His love for you, His desire to fight your battles, to strengthen you, to encourage you, uh, to respond to what God has spoken to you today. That you won't forget that no matter what battle you face, whether it's now, or it's in the future, or it's been an ongoing battle, that we've brought the Valley of Elah right to you today. Now, you know, in the Valley of Elah, we get the, we, we get the, um, Stones that are there. Now these stones, they came from Home Depot, but they're the same, alright? It's alright. A rock is a rock. It's alright. And, and take it as a, as a, maybe you can get a Sharpie and put a date on it and say, or put a name on it, or put a situation on it. And we also at the Valley of Elah, we have them throw the rocks. You do not have permission to throw these rocks. Here or there or anywhere. So hold on to them and let it be a place of reminder of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and His great love for you. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.